space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second and contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temporal Trek Podcast. Uh, we are in Season 2, Episode 3.4 of the podcast. Season 2, Episode 5, Episode 6, and then Episode 7. But I'll call out when we get to that. But I think that's a record. I think we're doing we're crossing over into three episodes all at once in one episode. Uh, so this is going to be interesting with lots of timey-wimey stamps and stuff. Uh, not because of time loops, not because of causality or anything like that. No, because of bloody heists. I... <laughs> hate heists now uh, i used to love the format i used to really enjoy those things but now now i know that there's any heist episodes coming up in star trek can't stand it now because you've got to do the planning first then you've got to zip forward then you've got to see the plan as it was going to be done but then it's the up to the bit where things go oh never mind i can't handle it uh but uh the comms are still open and with me as always is is dan absolutely ready Abs to go ready to heist mm. I'm. Uh, I've spent my last couple of days watching the the, the bits you've sent me. I still have no <laughs> idea what's happening, so um, I'm relying on you to uh, guide me through this. That's it. Like you said, in we had a little uh, back and forth on our messages. My elbow will be hurting because I'll be nudging him just to try and remember the order for these scenes. I can barely remember it, and I've got it written in front of me. Um, but yes, so uh, it's not just one episode, so we won't really sort of say, what did you think of this episode? Uh, we'll just go straight into the scenes at 27 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, we're at Sung's house, and Sung has synthesized this 100% effective cure, uh, tests it straight away, doesn't think to maybe run it through some extra tests, just in case, uh, and puts it into Corey, and they send away these drones, this drone network, a laser drone network that can protect you from the sun. Um, I want one of those, especially right now. We were in the height of summer right now in the UK. This is our heat wave. Um, and we Brits are not built for a high sun. So that would be absolutely fantastic. You had like a set of drones and it just protects you. That's great. Um, and she just she doesn't just like gingerly walk out. She goes swimming, she's out there, she's running around on the grass, uh, only for it to start choking and obviously doesn't work completely and everything like that. Uh, any thoughts on this cure, but not a cure scene, so the Q has some power over Sung? Yeah, I quite like it because this, I think this particularly, what's the word I'm looking for, um, legitimises Sung's actions later on. Mm. You know, to have that grasp just for a moment in your grasp, that freedom for your daughter. Yeah. You know, and 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 must be tantalising, and and you know, you'd be desperate to to free your daughter from her limitations, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. So, as much as his actions are deeply problematic, yeah, I can also have sympathy to a degree. Mm. Yeah. It it's later revealed that you know does he see her as a daughter does he see her as his life's work and you could argue is is it both is it uh, you know is it one or the other and does it really matter you know he still cares about her whether he cares about her as a daughter or as a product of his work that's debatable um so yeah it, it it's q orchestrating the strings and playing on him but so that he has him 
as a hostage as Sung says later in another scene just after that as well um, from that scene uh, it got uh, La Serena the, the crew bring the detective through the one who's been choked and knocked out and they're dragging him through the ship uh, trying to get away with it only for Picard and Tallinn uh, to sort of beam in using her um, supervisor t- transporter and saying, you know, do you trust this team? Uh, are they highly professional or all this sort of thing? And then they see him being dragged through the ship and they're sort of going, uh, I'm sure there's a rational explanation for this. Um, not the best impression, first impression for Tallinn, uh, but any thoughts on sort of a comedy beat, which we haven't had a lot of up to this point. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? I, yeah, this is one of the, the little scenes that I'd um, I'd sort of forgotten actually, if I'm honest, through my, my rewatch. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose you're right. It is a comedy beat, isn't it? It's it's sort of yeah. What do I think of the, what do I think of it? That's a good question. I think um, it's very incon- inconsequential. It's it's just there, but yeah, you're right. It just it adds a little bit of a not a doubt that's the wrong word it's too strong a word but it's just like a nice little it's the sort of thing that happens isn't it I, 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 <laughs> you know I remember once when I was working at Heaver Castle when yeah. I was this is my first job in fact and um, I, I used to work in the car park so I used to direct cars into car parks and we had a new boss I don't know why but he just didn't like me <laughs> he just didn't like me from the start mm-hmm. and and he and I was doing something, and I think I was like taking my shirt off or something for some reason. I can't really remember what it was now. And he arrived just at that moment and was like, oh, oh. no, you know. And that's what happens, isn't it? It's that moment where something's going on that the boss doesn't need to see because it doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. But he always turns up at the wrong moment or she turns up at the wrong moment. And you think, oh, God, typical, you know. <laughs> and that's sort of what it was. It was that sort of moment where, you know, she turned up and you think, oh, it's just typical. Why didn't she turn up five minutes later? It would have been sorted. <laughs> Sorry, if people can hear my cat meowing, that's that's not fair there. She she turns up at the wrong moments as well. But yeah, no, it, it doesn't reflect what you've done the whole day. You could be working exactly. 100%. It would be the perfect you know day uh, to show off how great you are at the job. But that one second where you had to quickly do something that isn't you know really you know uh, in the rule books, but you had to get yeah. it done. Um, yeah hate it absolutely hate it um uh, for us it's uh checking your mobile phone because obviously you're in yeah. a museum it looks unprofessional to check your mobile phone fair enough uh but at that point my um my watch had broken so i had no way of checking the time and i wanted to make sure where my lunch was I had the mobile phone just quickly out barely a second to see what the time was to put it back in and that's when the, the boss comes around sees me getting it out it's like put it away and I'm like, crying out loud just literally looking at the time um the the problem being that we've got a a clock tower on the site that Uh is is close to 300 years old and it loses time as it goes down and then gains a little bit more time as it's going up and i'm not entirely sure how it does that because surely gravity should work the other way around um but uh, she's always about five minutes out of time and uh, you can't run your lunch breaks or anything like that according to it so you have to check your watch uh, hate it absolutely hate it but yeah there we go um this cut back to another scene q and Sung are talking and again that's where we get the line i am now your hostage i'll do whatever you say um but uh q is trying to sort of push picard and you know he's forcing a conflict so again this is something we brought up last week you know if if he is trying to get picard to resolve something we haven't really worked out what it is yet 
whether it's of galactic import or whether it's a personal journey, why this conflict? What what exactly, you know, if you were think of it like a chess game, what move is this to try and force Picard to do something? It seems very unusual. I mean, where we're going to end up with this episode, Sung will do something to him, but, you know, are we are we arguing the case that Q knows for absolute certain he's going to hit him with the car that will cause a journey that will make him go inside his mind next week? It seems unnecessary from a story point of view. Does it seem like one cog too far that we could have done this in a slightly easier way? Yeah, I mean, I think this this leads on from what I think we said last week. I think it was mm. last week's episode where um you know what what's going on with q it's very mm. weird because by the end of the series you know he's very benign he's very you know he cares about picard and he sends them back and all that stuff yeah but at this point he's very devious and and it doesn't quite make sense the only thing i can think of and i think again i said this last week but is that he's created this situation in order to allow picard to resolve his issues mm. and that's the only thing i can think of but that's never I don't think I'm trying to think. I don't think that's ever sort of said or, or mm-hmm. pointed to. It's it's a very odd situation because you know he's very he's sort of evil Q at this point, mm. and he flips yeah. by the end into and it almost seems like it was there was no point to the whole thing in a way. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's very odd. Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's it. it I don't know. It, it it seems convoluted, but obviously, if he is a god he can see the dominoes falling. So he knows to do this, you need to do that, to do that. It just, from a story point of view, as an audience member stepping out of the reality of Star Trek, watching this, you know, it seems like a, you know, an unnecessary step in the storytelling. Mm. If if he is a god, just go into his mind, go into, you know, if you're going Sherlock, you know, go into the mind palace and sort yes. out the problem. Um, you know, there's so many other okay, maybe tropes of storytelling in TV that you could lean on and tell the story just as efficiently as, you know, sending this rogue person called Sung just so that Brent Spiner gets a paycheck this week um, to have his own personal journey. It just, I don't know, it just seems like there was a lot of throwing things at the wall, see if it sticks and then put it into the story at this point. Mm. Overarching, love the season, love the way it played out, but it just seems like there's a lot of cogs all going all on at once and it's mm. it's a lot to sort of take in but there we go whether that makes it a good or bad episode i don't know um la serena uh they're back with uh raffi and she's another comedy beat with picard it's like you realize who she looks like and he's like yes and it's like <laughs> but but it's really strange how much she looks like i know not now and he's not engaging with that conversation I think that's the closest I can see to them two having that really close, almost Riker Picard relationship from the old TNG days in this. You know, from the from season one to season two, that was always there, but it was that shorthand for me that they were talking to each other in that scene that I liked. I was wondering if you had anything to pick up on that as well. Um, again, not really, because it's such a short little piece, but you're right actually i hadn't really thought about it it does it absolutely cements that idea that they they've been together and yeah you're right i hadn't really thought but raffi is a sort of new riker isn't she for him Mm. and i think they have a very not a very different relationship but a different relationship yes yeah but there is definitely that echo of of riker and picard and that sort of closeness Mm. but yeah that's that's it for me on that one really Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, because I, I could see, you know, we know that Riker has daddy issues, uh, and yeah. we've seen in various episodes about that. Uh, and so you could see Picard as his father figure. So he yeah. he leans on him to become a father figure. We also have Rios say the same thing about Picard later on in another scene in another episode. Um, and then um, you could have Rafi as a daughter and sees Picard. Yeah as the father figure as well and it just seems that this was just another part of it it was is that way that daughter sort of goes her dad and like has a little like thing like not now i'm not going to talk to you you know carry on go and do your homework all this kind of stuff so it just um it just seemed like that for me um at chateau picard um we're uh realizing that renee is actually the target of whatever this divergence in time is going to be and so they have to form a plan to protect her you might even say they have to plan a heist uh here it comes right so um they don't really know why she is the focus um the you know the century uh, up to first contact is rife with chaos according to uh poor records um my sort of theory on that is that world war three you know maybe emps maybe everything got wiped out so that's why they yeah. don't know particularly why she is of import but given what we find out later in the season and how she finds something so you know earth-shatteringly different in technology wouldn't you think that one would have made the history books enough by the 24th century that you know she would have found something to make it uh, a completely world-changing event mm. any thoughts doesn't isn't that in tng at some point i'm sure picard talks about his ancestor so i think so uh, is it TN, is it tng or is it generations ah maybe Maybe that um, the the yeah. the Picards who uh, settled the first Martian colonies, yeah, and then the Picards who did something else. But he was the first. Uh, oh no, this is first contact, isn't it? When he's talking to Lily, yes, and he's he's saying that I was the first to leave our solar system, but obviously Rene Picard only goes up to Io and then comes back again. Um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose maybe he only studies various parts, you know, mm. of of the history but it just seems that if renee is the target why not target the other picards who did the martian colonies or you know yeah. the ones the ones that he already knew about you know there are like, there are other times that they could have gone to yeah and don't, don't they mention it later on as well i'm sure they mention it you know that she found the um sort of sentient life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they yeah they obviously know that i mm. guess it just I, I suppose it's like actually what's it's quite subtle storytelling in a way because what happens so often in storytelling is I can't remember the right term for it, but you know it's like that bit where you go, they say you know go to warp drive, and then some ensign says warp drive, mm -hmm. and then they explain it. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I can't think what that's called, but yeah, there's there's a name for that. Yeah, but you're explaining to the audience, but you're actually yeah. explaining through this character exactly. who should yeah. know better. Yeah, yeah, yes, and, but they don't do that, so I quite like that actually. <laughs> they so just left it yeah. to it yeah, yeah yeah fair enough um we find out there's a gala we can go and it should be picard six that's how i'm probably going to uh, deem all of these scenes um <laughs> forget oceans 11 um they are just time loops played out in a different order as far as i'm concerned because uh we stop at 35 minutes 35 seconds 
and uh, we're sort of getting um, Talon saying, oh, it's not that simple. And then we're going to get her narrating something uh, in a moment. But we come back at 36 minutes and five seconds. Um, we hack the database to get invited. They're in the queue. They're sort of waiting for what's going on. Um, there's uh, intro to antique coding at school that yes. she mentions. Um, so uh, that's clearly still a class in the 24th century. So if that's a class in the 24th century and coding from the 21st century is still being taught, why isn't the IO mission where they picked up this organism being taught in the history class? Why, why is no one remembering that specific lesson? I just, I don't get it. Um, uh, Rios uh, has a very awkward moment where he's saying, wait a minute, you're sending the roboticist to do this, not the spy and the ranger. And he's sort of pointing out everyone else's better qualifications to do this. Uh, despite the fact that Gerati in the first sentence of this scene has just said she took a course in how to hack databases um so i kind of understand why girati's going to go the way she goes by the end of this season if that's how everyone sees her yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, su suddenly becoming a board queen that's a very inviting prospect right now um uh, so she has the skills and he just poo-poos it. Uh, Picard, however, does stand up for her and he does say the right thing. And he says, you know, she has all the skills she needs. We are you know, waiting on you. So he has a plan. Stop at 36 minutes and 48 seconds because we're going to go over to the gala in a minute. Uh, but we're back in at uh, 35 minutes and 36 seconds. We've gone back in time again and uh, we are seeing that Renee has just arrived at the gala. So now we've moved from the chateau into the gala and now the heist begins. So we've had all the talk that was happening at the same time, overlapping. And uh, why did I not think of heists when I was t coming up with the Temple Trek concept? <laughs> I should have just said, in heists, I don't do this. Uh, maybe I should just you know, qualify that there is one time where I will not be doing things in chronological order. Um, all the way up to 36 minutes and five seconds. And, you know, Fly Me to the Moon is happening, but it just gives you the ambiance. Nothing's really being said. Yeah. We just know there's a gala going on. 36 minutes, 49 seconds, Girati, looking stunning, is walking in. Now, this is something we mentioned in um, the uh, Nexus Nights, our separate show. Um, she does look stunning. Yeah, fair enough. But we did have a comment, and you had a great point, that is she being over-sexualized? And this is something that we've come across so many times in Enterprise, of yeah. characters being over-sexualized. Sexy Trek, as we've been talking about it, where the writers just seem so... Um, dependent on this idea that if she's a woman let's sex her up um you know it, are they still doing that to us and we just can't see it or did we see it and you know it it damages the scene in some way that they're using girati as eye candy in the show i think it does to be brutally honest with you i really do i mean I, you know i sound like a sort of 17th century puritan I'm, I'm not, <laughs> ankles oh she's showing the ankles yeah, exactly. oh. yeah i don't mean it like yeah. that but no there's no. just no need for it there's yeah. no need. Look at the. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was rewatching. Look at the dresses that the other actresses are wearing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know they're they're. You know they're they're. They're stunning. The yeah, they're lovely dresses. You know they're they're you know. But there was no need for that. There was no mm. need for that at all. Mm. And it's a real shame, I think. You know because. This. How do I put it? It's just, I just don't see the need to do it. There's no need for it. <laughs> do you it's, think, though, it was a conscious decision because she is the queen now, that it was the queen's decision to wear something? Like, you know, if, if the, the production company behind the scenes are thinking, well, what's the, the motivation to wear this dress? 
beyond the sexualization of of Girati. It's like, well, the queen is manipulator. Is it, you know, was that decision, do you think, in the do decision you think making? The poor queen would have her breasts hanging out. I don't know. Well, she was. Does she need to. She's powerful enough. When she was in the ball get-up, she had, you know, the, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, that's another issue, isn't it? That's another thing. You know, I, exactly. That this is the this is one of the things. I mean, we're going to go into a bit of a philosophical sort of political talk here. What I love on this show, but go for it. Um, you know, this awful, awful, I think, sort of false consciousness which has been developed for women that that somehow power becomes from being sexual or being sexualized mm-hmm. you know and actually you don't you don't need to do that mm. you don't you know it isn't you know i'm not saying that women shouldn't do whatever they want mm. talk about mm. this is quite yeah. prescient it's very prescient now you know right we're now. just literally roe versus wade has been been rescinded in america and we're talking you know i'm I'm, so i'm not in any way saying that Mm -hmm. women should not have choices about what they wear and what they do etc that's not what i'm talking about this is a different thing this is this is a production team this is deciding that a woman needs to be sexualized in order to what to achieve something in the scene and what does it actually Mm. achieve in the scene or the 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 show very true i don't know what it achieves you know Mm. it just it just um, means that she's looked at. Yeah. Well, yeah. why would she want? I mean, I suppose there's that the the one argument you can say. And I don't think this works particularly, but if you wanted to sort of push the argument, it means that she's noticeable when she gets arrested or gets captured. true. Yeah. But let's be honest with you. There, there's you know how many people watching CCTV? They're not looking. They're not saying, "Oh, well, look, that person's covered up, so we're not going to bother them." That's mm-hmm. not what's happening. It's not mm-hmm. about that. It's it's about an idea in society that women must be sexualized all the time. Yeah. And unfortunately, the the idea that the sort of false consciousness, as I said, that women believe that by being sexualized they're being powerful. Mm. Well, again, it's not saying they shouldn't. You know, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. sound, I'm sounding like some sort of you know. Yeah. Awful, but I'm not. I'm not saying women should wear whatever they like. Quite yeah. frankly, yeah. But, but it's the message behind the show saying, it is, and it's a choice by the you know, it's, it's yeah, it's the male gaze. Yeah, yeah. It's the you know, and 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 that's the problem. Mm. We can't say that uh, Seven wasn't being as effective in that scene because she wasn't wearing a low cut top. Exactly. She was being a ranger. She was part yeah. of you know Picard Six. She was doing an effective job. But she wasn't wearing a dress in that same way. She wasn't there to manipulate and everything like that. Um, she was placed. Gerati uh, was placed in that dress to be a distraction. But when they're on the CCTV uh, camera, they didn't say, um, "Oh, the woman in the red cut, low cut dress." Yeah, exactly. You know, they already said she's talking to herself. Like yeah. they noticed that she's on some sort yeah. of communications device. She must be a threat. She can't clearly can't be part of this gala go and pick her up um if she was already creating that kind of distraction doing that she didn't need to be in a you know a dress that is for like you say the male gaze um you know, there is a production element in the costume department that would have made that decision to place her in that yep. for what for titillation's sake 
you know to get male viewers in to do to do was it actually a character decision or was it for the audience um and as we've seen with enterprise it, it feels like the audience seems to be the reason why things happen not yep. necessarily a character decision why that happens but fantastic that's the kind of that's the kind of discussions i love on this show this is what i want all the time um uh, we've missed out on this for so long for uh, for enterprise where we've had uh, so such poor episodes to look at that we haven't had these kind of discussions for a while so uh, uh look look forward to that people who are going through temporal trek in chronological order um you've got you've got some great episodes in uh, season two uh, right um, <laughs> but she gets into the surveillance room and she gets where she needs to be yeah. uh, and we stop at 39 minutes and one second as we sort of have a slight flashback or an in her head hallucination that the bull queen is sitting there clever plan and places her arm around her uh, then we come back in at 40 minutes and seven seconds and the Borg Queen again is sitting next to her saying, again, clever little plan. So it's both the same same scenes all playing at the same time uh, as we go into season two, episode three of this podcast and season two, episode six of Picard uh, and we get into two of one. So we've gone from Fly Me to the Moon into two of one and we see that scene again. It's the Queen placing her arm around her. So we see three scenes at the same moment all playing at the same time. Uh, I I didn't want to write all the timestamps down for that, but you can kind of work it out for yourself, people. I've done half the legwork. There you go. Um, we come in at two minutes and 54 seconds after the intro and the catch up and everything like that. And Picard is at the gala again. He's looking around. He's just making sure that Renee is in the right place. Talon tries to suss out who Laris is. So at this point, she's been called Laris twice by Picard. And she just wants to know who is it who is she, who is she? Uh, and he tries to play her off and says oh no one of particular importance you know everything that's fine but she figure out figures out how picard lies so thank you for that i now know you've got to tell when you lie <laughs> uh any thoughts on that sort of uh, interaction between the two of them yeah i suppose um it's a again it's a very slight scene it's just you know but it would be very frustrating wouldn't it <laughs> if you were if you were telling <laughs> and, and Picard kept calling you Laris, and you're like, <laughs> you know, it would, yeah. So you'd want to know, I think, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and it, and if he is confusing you that much, there yeah. must be something behind that story. Exactly, there must be yeah. more to it. Yeah. Um, and it, there's also then a jump in scene with Girati and the Borg again. The Q is uh, the Queen is now saying, you know, I miss Lacutus. You know, he's such a clever man. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's sorting all of this out and you're here you need to do all the the the, the uploads of the ids and all this sort of stuff uh so you better you know wheel out your plan right now because they're almost through the queue uh so she opens up some sort of weird yeah. lighter thing and lets off some gas now i didn't know if this was the lighter now obviously we haven't seen this scene but i have seen season two of picard i've read my history books i know that there is a lighter that rios uses in the first episode i was wondering if it was that and she filled it with some really toxic gas instead of whatever was normally in it to part make them pass out or something like that but she passes them out far too early and they're just slumped to their desks and it's like well now you've got to get to the thing and you're you're handcuffed to the seat how are you on earth are you going to get to the computer terminal uh, and now she has to give over to the queen the queen has yes. some strength now how does that work now i know the queen is inside her body i know she's got nanoprobes but the nanoprobes haven't completely assimilated her how does switching over her mind from gerati to the queen give her suddenly the magical power to snap handcuffs good question the, the first question the question you missed oh go for it 
is why didn't Girati pass out when the gas was released? Very good question. Oh, yeah. Did she inoculate herself? But we just didn't see it. She must have done, wasn't she? But, yeah. Ah. Because, you know, as much as you can sort of point a gas. Yes. you You can't stop it sort of flying backwards. Very true. That's a very good... Right, that's it. There's no truth in this art. That the whole heist is finished. There's no way that would have worked. Sorry, season two of Picard is completely a write-off. No, that's it. Oh, that's so much better question. How on earth does that work? Yeah, she must have inoculated herself, she or yeah, yeah. or she knew that it was a gas that doesn't affect the nanites, and the nanites have were already sort of protecting her in some way. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I'm not sure. But yep, right, fair enough. That's it. Uh, it's all over. Um, there's no more time. That's it. Double track is over. Done. The only thing I can think of with with the handcuffs is that um, you know is that that phenomenon. Phenomen- oh god, I'm not going to say that that thing happens. You mean a <laughs> phenomenon? Yeah, yeah. Yes, where you know people gain strength. Yeah. Ah, and maybe yes. the queen because the queen's able to sort of mm. control sort of her. I don't know, adrenaline levels or something and can do that. That's the mm. only thing I think of. Yes. Um, oh, God, yeah. Because so, it's all about endorphins, isn't it? For the, As the scenes will go through, we realise that a, a board can only really be assimilated if the right endorphins are in the system because it speeds up uh, the assimilation process. So, yeah, I suppose if she's trying to get her to free herself, that's an adrenaline rush. So she's just gaining a little bit more control. So I suppose that does make sense. And that would then give her the strength to to do that. It was always in Girati. It just happened to be the queen and give her the nudge. And uh, fair enough. That takes us up to the credits at five minutes, 49 seconds. We come back at eight minutes and three seconds. Now, there's a lot of jump and change on this. Not only do we have the heist, they, for some reason, narratively wanted to do this whole 26 minutes later. So they move forward in time. We see... Picard laying on a floor with blood trickling down his mouth. Uh, we hear Rios screaming, Admiral, Admiral, hold on. Blah, 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 blah. And then we go back to the heist again. So we've not only got the chop and change of the heist where they're planning it, you've also got the chop and change of this weird 26 minutes, 34 minutes, whatever, later uh, or earlier. And oh my God, did they want to make it any harder? <laughs> I swear there must be people in the writer's room for Picard who are listening to this podcast who thought, <laughs> let's really fuck him up. Let's really go for it. Because um, I swear, there, there's no other reason to do this to me than, than a personal vendetta. Um, I'm taking it personally no matter what. Uh, Gala is in full swing. Picard is called over, uh, but it's for Renee. So but she gets the attention of both yeah. of them. So there we go. Um They've uh, never spoken to Renee that supervisors have codes to not get involved. Um, yeah, I can, I can admire the restraint. I can see why that does sort of play a thing in. But when you think of like all the spy movies you've ever seen, you've always got the agent and the handler. The handler, if you've got a mission to protect someone, wouldn't it be easier to sort of get involved and, and be there in some way? Wouldn't it be easier to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi? Um I know that that series has just uh, finished. I think the last episode has just come on to Disney Plus as we're talking now. I know that, uh, spoilers, everybody, I know this is a Star Trek podcast, but if you're watching Star Wars and Obi-Wan Kenobi, he does meet Luke. He does does. become part of Luke's history. That's not really a spoiler because that was technically in New Hope because he already knew who old Ben was. So there we go. Um, Is it easier to be part of her life and protect her than not be in her life and protect her? 
Well, I don't really know how you protect her without being in her life. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you were looking for like logical reasons, there'd be, you know, not getting involved, you could be dispassionate. But then what's the point of being dispassionate if your job is to protect? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Even it the makes best sense and it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Even the best therapist in the world has to get to know you first. You know, exactly. they have to yeah. know who you are. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no point when people go through um, sponsor programs for Alcoholics, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. You you get to know that person first. You get to know their life story first. So, yeah, just seemed odd why yeah. someone with such an important mission to protect someone who can clearly change the entire timeline, uh, not that she knows that, but clearly there's an important part, part to her. Um, why not get him more involved? You know, be Auntie Tallinn, uh, who turns around every Christmas and just sends her a gift. I don't know. Um, uh, Girati backs out the party um, because uh, the Queen is sort of trying to take over and get her take it. You know, get her endorphins again. Try and get her to to be in the driver's seat, as she says. Um, but she's in inhibiting her stress hormones. You know, Girati is trying to keep the stress levels down so that the assimilation doesn't work. Um, Rafi orders a club soda and has a little conversation with Rios. Now, yeah. Rios, up to this point, has had a really bad day, as you as you said it a couple of weeks ago. You know, he got hit on the head, he had a concussion, he had his fingers snapped back in, but he did and has been falling in love with Dr. Teresa. You know, he may have been detained by ICE. He may have been almost deported and never seen again and dealing with a Ferengi of a, an ICE police officer. But he really loves the 21st century. He's had some peanut butter a couple of scenes ago <laughs> last week. Uh, and in this one, he's having cigars and he's having uh, drinks and how everything is intense and there's music everywhere. Um, he's starting to fall in love with the 21st century. Is that a believable turn? I, I have seen this as, as a criticism from some people that why is someone who had such a horrid day that first day suddenly becoming in love with the 21st century? Um, no, I can see that to a degree. I mean, I think he says something about does he say something about cars and in, in like how mm. intense everything is? Yeah, yeah. I suppose in a way, if you come from this this future where everything's sort of laid on a plate for you, yeah, maybe there's something about that. You know, the sort of chaos of it. The mm -hmm. you know maybe attractive. The maybe you know that sort of easy life. You know, we from where we are, that easy life looks very, very attractive. And I think it's one of the, in a way, it's one of the things that attract people to Star Trek. Mm, you know, that mm. future of like where you know where we're not struggling to pay our bills, and we're not, you know, we're not not got enough to eat, and all the rest of the things you know that that mm. people do in where we are now. But if you're coming from the other way, in a yeah. funny way, maybe there's an attraction there yeah. for that sort of, you know, so I think, I think that's quite believable really. And also adding, adding to that, her, his obvious immediate attraction to Teresa, mm -hmm. that's always going to not cloud us in a way. Um, it's always going to sort of influence you to like where you are. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you're in a, you know, I don't know if you're in a, in a pub and you meet your future, <laughs> future partner, then you always, when you come back to that pub, it's always going to have a, a place in your sort of a life, isn't it? Very true. So yeah, so the the, the 21st century is is his pub. It's it's the yeah. place he he met, presumably the person he's going to love for all time. 
Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, and it it doesn't uh, have, you know it doesn't go without precedent in Star Trek. We've got City on the Edge of Forever. Kirk falls in love with Edith Keeler when you yep. go back in time, and I think that was a clear reference when Raffi says, "You know that that's a bad idea when you do time travel. Uh, you don't fall in love." But well, I, also to be to be fair, I don't think that's a good good example because let's be honest. Kirk falls in love with someone every week. <laughs> very true. Very true. You know. Very true. Yeah. So, well, well, although sure, does he? You know. Does he? Well, I mean, is he actually falling in love, or you know, is he just the Lothario Kirk that he tries to pretend well, to be? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, Edith was the only one who really got to her, got to him. Um, but uh, also, the, the the idea of looking at something that's different from the way you live. Yeah. Picard's family is a great yeah. example of that. You know, his brother. Um, you know, uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, you know, loved the old way of doing things. Yeah. It's it's not without precedent that people in the 24th century look back fondly on the harder way of doing things. Yeah. But moving on uh, in the scenes, we've got um, Picard and Talon again spotting Renee. She's drinking heavily, and we're starting to see that there's some uh, uh, anxiety in her about being in a social event, perhaps, or there's something else going on. Um, Picard, uh, she's checking her mobile device a lot, and Talon just says, we all do that. Yeah. I like that joke. I'm I sorry, that was well, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. I like that. Um, uh, it's also quite fun, given that, obviously, Star Trek spawned the mobile device. So it's Star Trek's fault that we're all checking our devices too much. Um, I don't know if the, how meta that joke actually can get when you really think about it. Um, is Renee ready? And uh, Talon, is it more about her being ready to let her go? She's about to go on this massive mission and find whatever this organism is going to be up on uh, Europa. Um, that's a big thing. And that means that Talon's mission will be over. Um, uh, perhaps not getting involved in her life is better, coming back to our earlier conversation, mm. in that she does have that distance. So maybe it's easier for her to let her go that way. Yeah. Um, just any thoughts on... Uh, you yeah. know, is it really about Rene being ready or is it really about Talon giving up? That's really interesting because I hadn't thought about that at all, actually. But you're right. I mean, although she's at a distance, as you mm. said, is it 25 years, you said, or 20 years? Yeah. You know, she's dedicated her life to that. Yeah. Now, I don't know how the sort of, um, how it works, whether she'll move on to a new a new sort of uh, assignment. Mm-hmm. Or whether her her sort of she's done and she's free of her commitment, I don't know. But um, it would be difficult to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that I hadn't. But you're right. There's that sort of. You know, she she's got a part to play, or she's got a, a stake in the game. Mm. If you have you know a a job for twenty years, it's hard yeah. to give that up. Um, you know, uh, shout out to a f- supervisor who's just retired from our job. Um, sadly, I wasn't able to make his uh, leaving drinks. My kids weren't feeling too good. Um, but he uh, he doesn't listen to the show, but, you know, I'll, I'll let him know. Uh, he, he was much loved in the team. He's going to be so missed. But, you know, he got choked up. It had been a long time being in that position. He was in a, a position where he was looking after us. Um, I, I don't joke, and I genuinely do love the job that I'm in. Uh, and it really does feel like a family. I know it's trite, but we are such a tight knit group and we all get on so well. It was easy to see him as sort of a father figure to yeah. our, our team. So to lose him is a big emotional moment. Yeah. So yeah, if uh, Talon doesn't want to have that kind of emotions, having that distance maybe is just one less 
thing she has to yeah. feel upset about by yeah. having this mission end so yeah i can see that uh, uh is still resisting still holding up and we're sort of flipping between scenes we do have rios come in and check her because she's not yeah. answering the comms picard is constantly asking where is she and nothing's happening um she kisses rios to sort of distract him so again does that come into what we were talking earlier about you know the male distraction is it a, you know a plausible reason why she was wearing the dress that there's something manipulative going on you know she kisses him to sort of get him out of the picture and move him on yeah. in the conversation it, is it all about manipulation um it's a tenuous reason for why she is the way she is but i'm wondering if that was a conversation going on behind the scenes i don't think uh, no. Well, no, I don't <laughs> again, think so. am I seeing things that aren't? The there kiss again? makes sense. The kiss makes sense. <laughs> yes, true, true, true. That that I don't have an issue with that at all. It's not, you know, I'm not. <laughs> but the, yeah, no, I don't think they're, they're thinking that. It, it, it is. It's the male gaze. Mm. Yeah, it's it's that inability to realise what you're doing. It's almost. I don't think anyone even thought about it. Yeah, I, you know, I don't imagine there was a question mark over it really mm. because it makes that's what happens in in media in tv in films this is what happened yeah and and no one questions it yeah absolutely but we are today so that's always we are yeah yes yes um uh renee has a panic attack she leaves the gala and yeah. picard jean-luc picard uh, tries to intercept her only to run into Sung and I was almost expecting kind of a da 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 and it was going to go to to ad break but no yes. they kept this sort of scene and they had a friend in common Mr Q and uh, Picard is saying oh we don't we, we're not friends almost James Bondish the way it was all done okay. I mean we had our tuxedos you know yeah. Sung is in the white tuxedo but he's actually the villain but Picard is in the black tuxedo you know is it the the, the cowboy the black cowboy versus the one in white the sheriff but it's actually a role reversal you know was there something going on there um uh, his donations means that he can get him removed from here yeah. as we stop at 18 minutes and 18 seconds but was there enough tension there did you buy it or did you just see brent spiner and patrick stewart having a bit of a laugh on camera no i bought it excellent i think the way that that picard's face is when he when he looks sort of turns and looks into sung's face Mm. there was a real moment of like you know <laughs> not about seeing Sung because he has no idea who Sung is yeah but he's seeing data obviously mm. and he's like wow you know <laughs> I don't I don't know if does does Brent Spiner play a Sung in TNG I don't think he does does he not he the card of a meet yeah oh uh, in season one of of, of Picard uh, he was uh, Ar not Eric oh, yes, that's in yeah. he's um God, what was the Sung that they met on the planet? Yeah, I don't know, but you're right. Yeah, he, but so he, was, yeah. he builds the body, doesn't he? So, yeah. yeah. So I was almost wondering if he was going to do what he does with Talon uh, and say, you know, where she, he keeps saying Laris. He might say, oh, uh, which Sung are you now this time? Yeah. Uh, did you time travel with us? So time travel? What the hell's going on? Um, I think that could have been an interesting conversation. He's yeah. like, time travel? What are we talking about now? Yeah. And that could have thrown in some whole loops and, and been a whole story that the Sungs have always known that time travel was possible and maybe it's gone that way. Um, yeah, could be. Um, I, I wonder if that could have been a, a change I would make at the later date. Um, 
Uh, 18 minutes and 35 seconds we come back in because we just had one of those annoying 14 minutes earlier scenes i really hate them now i used to love them <laughs> as a way of like building up tension in an episode but i can't stand them now um gala the uh, picard um goes to outrun security they need a distraction and we get the singing scene yes um, yeah the spotlight was a big controversy how the hell does a yep. spotlight follow her however i forgot about this scene but there is a moment where obviously she's inputting all the codes to get all the hacking done but yep. the queen is inside the system there is a flash okay. of borgness inside the system right. so whether there's someone on the spotlight who's so professional we managed to get it in the right place or it's all automated the queen is in charge okay. she could have done that that way so as controversial as people thought it was going to be why a spotlight is controversial i don't know but it's very plausible based on the scenes that they've already laid out that the queen was in control of the whole thing the whole time uh any thoughts on the singing scene did it make sense as a distraction i don't know if it made well it made sense as a distraction in one way it's a really funny one because i quite enjoyed it actually um there's a really famous buffy the vampire slayer episode Yes. Which I think is, is it called Once More with Feeling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where they sort of, there's a demon that forces them to sing, or I can't quite remember how it works now. Yep. And this sort of reminds me of that. And in fact, I was thinking yesterday, wouldn't it be great to have a, a musical Star <laughs> Trek episode? <laughs> you know, I don't know how you'd manage that. I mean, it'd be so alien, that, you know. But it's anyway, gone. so I sort of like it. I mean, the biggest question mark for me is how does the musicians, how do the musicians know what to play? That's my, you know, that's my biggest question. I mean, I guess it's a standard, True. but, you know, they're like, who is this person? You know, would they automatically just go, oh, well, you know, it's a bit like the Titanic band, isn't it? They just play on, you know, no matter what. This is sort of them being super professional. Um, I buy the bit with the automated um, spotlight. I can, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's odd. It's odd. Other than in um, DS Nine, in, in the the, the um, in the casino, yeah. Is there any other? Well, I suppose there's Ahura sings once, doesn't she? Yeah. But singing is quite rare, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Well, um, at first contact again when he uses the Dixon Hill program, there was yeah. singing, but it wasn't really part of the scene. It was just there. Um, yeah, I can't think of uh, singing There's as a distraction. The way to Eden. Oh yes, yeah, hey brother, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rare, isn't it? Yeah, but and... do you think do you think they missed a trick not having faith of the heart? <laughs> yeah, I think they should. Yeah, that that uh, yeah that would have been cool and also corny and <laughs> awful as well in a way. <laughs> And um, then and then have the musicians turn around and say, No, we're not playing that. Yeah, not playing that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. God, not yeah. that Tosh again. Oh god. Which no. version would they play? That's the big question. That's that's true. the important question. Would it be the jazzy version or the mm. you know the Rod Stewart version? Have yes. have Rod Stewart at the gala and could have had him as a whole little cameo all all, all to himself. Well, um did you hear the um this is really going not quite going off topic exactly, but going off sort of into the world of Star Trek. Did you hear the the um, Shuttlepod episode where they were saying that one of the ideas for season four was it or season three? Yeah, was to have boy bands on the in the 
mess yes. hall. Yeah. Perhaps that's what they should they should have just had like, you know, <laughs> one direction play. Oh, oh God. Admittedly, you know, you could have had your Harry Styles, I suppose, and then you could have had Girati, and then maybe, you know, have uh, the Borg uh, assimilate Harry Styles. He becomes the yes, first Borg be drone. Cool, yeah. That could be interesting. I could see that. You're all going in one direction. And, like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, the episode is two of one direction. And uh, <laughs> that might be what I call this episode now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that could have. Yeah. I can see the idea and the appeal of wanting to have guests. You know, big. You know, um, really? Oh, I can't. Having at people, all. I can see why they would do it. Like you would get that. I, you'd have to pick it carefully. I think stunt casting for for me can work if it's the right person with the right background to the story being told. Um, you know, if they had Neil deGrasse Tyson, and it was an episode about stars and the cosmos, and they were charting something, but something went wrong. I think that makes sense. You have a guest whose whole job it is to talk about the cosmos in an episode about the cosmos. If it was just thrown in for no real reason, maybe. You know, if you did the musical episode of Star Trek, have a musician cameo. You know, yeah. have a big name come in who is the leader. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is a huge Star Trek fan. He is, is the he? king. He is absolutely, he's got this massive mural of the Enterprise E behind his uh, sofa. Really? Oh, fantastic he's a huge sci-fi fan and i if he was in the musical episode as like the king of their society and the way they communicate is by a song but they pre-prepare their statements based on the way they're feeling or you know some sort of tele telepathy so it, it's believable that the people could actually sing in the moment and actually have a song prepared that would make sense because it's a musical episode you have a, a musical uh cameo um so i could see that i could see that but you don't like it or I don't like the idea of boy bands on on the on, on the enterprise. Put it that way. Well, boy bands in general, yeah, fair enough. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, I would love that. That'd be brilliant. That'd be. Is it? Isn't um? Who is the guy on the who plays a water? Um, oh, Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But see, that's completely different. That breaks my thing in that it, that was not an episode about, you know, no, that's true. <laughs> I am a passenger or anything yeah. like that. That's. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wow. don't know where this episode has gone. No, but I, we... it's, yeah, it's gone in interesting directions. <laughs> what other musical stars would you have? Ooh. Now, who who would who would be your. You, so you've got you've got Snoop Dogg. Yeah. He's the sort of leader of the planet. Yeah. Who would be his deputies? Who would be the sort of, you know... I don't know. I really don't know. Because you'd have to have sort of... All the deputies are representative of all the different types of music. So you, you could have his old advisor. Yes. I mean, obvious, I mean, the obvious one would be sort of, you know, your Paul McCartney's and the statesman of, like, you know, British pop, Britpop and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And he is a friend of Patrick Stewart's, so that, oh, okay. that could work, you know. I'd like Dave Grohl. Dave, oh, Dave Grohl, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, and having him in the proper alien makeup and everything, so you know it's him, but it's not quite him. Ah, oh, that would be good. I mean, Queen Bee herself, you have to have Beyonce in there at some point. I mean, if you, okay, yeah, if you if you have you know someone uh, you know out there, Shakira would be awesome. I would go for Shakira. She would be a, a proper proper belter. 
and she would have like all the phone maybe she's like the passionate character of like their society the alien society Ooh. yeah i honestly can't think of anyone else because it's hard i don't know who yeah. i would put in there but maybe a nexus nights episode we'll do that yes, for nexus this is, yes absolutely yes what musical cameos would we have right uh let's get back onto the topic because we've got loads to talk <laughs> about we're barely 10 minutes into the episode uh, uh we did the singing song uh renee and picard now this is actually a lot of scenes all played out but they managed to find a quiet moment over to one side and it's actually quite a big chunk of the episode yeah. but talking about um she, he tries to put her down uh, uh, you know put her at her ease talk about the the ships you know tell me about this rocket and she she gradually warms up to him yeah and he's saying, you know, the people who uh, shine the brightest often feel the sting of fear and melancholy so much more than uh, people perceive. Um, really great lines. Again, going back to our conversations from other weeks, was it a shoehorned in speech or did it make sense? Do you know what? It really made sense to me. I had, I don't know if we've ever spoken about this, but I had a breakdown um, a few years ago, about six or seven years. No, probably a bit more than that now, actually. Funny time goes. Um, and I, I um, so I took an overdose, and um, so I ha I was in the hospital for about a week or so, wow. and then um, I just I had to stop working. Um, and and one of the, I remember one of the nurses on the um, on the ward said, "Look, we're going to discharge you. Um, go to Mind." So he he gave me the details of the local Mind, and I, I literally went the next day, just turned up. And I spent about, well, I ended up working there. I spent about five years sort of going as a client, volunteering, and then working mm. um, there. And one of the things I really noticed, and I never really, but, but, and this sounds, no, what I noticed was how intelligent the people were who were suffering. Mm. And I think it's, it's it, I'm not saying that, you know, other people aren't intelligent I'm not saying any of that stuff but I think that it rings very true for me that, that there's a link there there's there's something it, you know these people like couldn't manage you know a lot of time I was the same for a while you know I couldn't manage at all mm. you know and I still struggle now sometimes but mm. um, what I did you know when when you like a simple thing like quizzes and stuff people were great at quizzes <laughs> No, they were, they you know they knew and you talk about sight and people knew about stuff and and you know and but they but society would say well they you know they they, they know they couldn't work they couldn't manage their day to day life often mm. so that really rung true for me actually in a way that actually there there is a link there I think and I think um it's yeah so yeah for me that was very prescient very very true hmm. yeah thank you for sharing that thank you that's fine um, i've never had to be honest i've never had a problem with it i've always you know i've never been ashamed of, of that. that you hmm. know i've spent a long time being unwell you know in lots of ways I, and like i think actually like a lot of people out there you know i managed but that's all i did yeah and i think that's you know when i see it all the time now you know it takes one to know one sort of thing and, and the number of people i look at and i think you know you're just a bad a bad couple of weeks away from 
real problems, you know. Yeah. Or you're you know using drugs and alcohol and stuff to, and that's what I did when I was younger. I'd, I'd used a lot of drugs and stuff, and it just to get me out of out of my head, basically, and literally out of my head. You know. Mm. Do you think that it's it sort of the intelligence aspect? Uh, you're so much more aware of the problems going on around you that exactly. that creates the anxiety that creates yeah, the problem so. in the first place. I think that's what happens. I think yeah. I think you know you, you're thinking all the time. You're thinking about stuff. You're analysing. Mm-hmm. And when you when when you're struggling or when there's there's bad stuff going on, the more you analyze in some ways, the worse it is. You know, you need to be able to let go. Mm-hmm. If you can let go, then you can you can manage. But when you, you can't let go, things spiral, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then you're analyzing on perhaps or fixating on one problem and all the other problems that are still in need of uh, you know resolution yeah don't get dealt with which adds exactly. to the anxiety adds, yeah and it all goes gotcha. around in a circle yeah crazy yeah perfect well then that makes this scene i think the best scene because it, it makes perfect sense to me that she would be doubting herself that that is a huge mission that is a, a fr- yeah. in front of this character um regardless of whether she's you know going to find this organism she doesn't know that but it's still a big pressure to place yeah. on one person to go all the way to europa and come all the way back yeah. um yeah perfect wonderful thank you very much for sharing that. um but uh obviously i'm always here for you man so uh, <laughs> thanks we need to chat um yes uh so uh, they walk outside they have their heart to heart she says you know i feel like i know you a bit too tropey you know it's that whole thing oh you're that you're the person from the future who's i'm actually related yeah. to i feel like i know you all my life that kind of thing a bit too tropey or does, you know at least made sense because they had that that heart to heart i think a bit tropey yeah bit tropey for me mm-hmm. but you know yeah but then you know i suppose you could argue again you know sometimes you do meet people that you feel like you just you just click don't you you just sort of very true you know but it is a bit tropey yeah very true um but sung doesn't like this too much sentimentality i'm sure he hates it uh so he's gonna race his car around and he's gonna hit picard um was he aiming for renee or was he aiming for picard renee i think yeah because yeah. he does push her out of the way but yeah. i was wondering you know was what was the the domino effect again coming back to q's mission was q trying to take renee out of the picture if that's the case how were they going to resolve that one how did he know that it was going to be you know he is q without his powers yeah. i know that in uh to deja q the one where he loses his powers oh yes yeah he says, "I've got, uh, yeah. I've got the knowledge locked up in this tiny little brain." Is is what he says. So he's aware of what things will happen. Yeah. But if he already knows how things will play out, again, couldn't he have found a simpler way? I don't know. There we go. <laughs> um, but uh, here we go. Oh God, you're right. Okay. So once he gets hit by the car, that then plays into all of these bloody thirty-four minute earlier, twenty-four minutes, fourteen minutes. So. Uh, we stop at 26 minutes and 39 seconds. We come back at 2 minutes, 40, 27 seconds, and we've got flashes of Picard laying there. And, oh, hold on, Admiral. Ah, 2 minutes and uh, 47 seconds. We stop. At 26 minutes and 40 seconds, we get some lovely shots of LA. And we come back at 27 <laughs> minutes and 9 seconds. At 7 <coughs> minutes and 45 seconds, Picard is standing there. He's being dragged into the Mariposa Clinic. You know, hold on, Picard. Zoosh. 
and they're giving the whole uh, resuscitation defibrillator and we stop at eight minutes then we come back at 18 minutes and 22 seconds and Picard is being defibrillated again I don't know how many times they do it but it doesn't seem to be working 18 minutes and 32 seconds we stop we come back at 27 minutes and 42 seconds and we stop at 27 minutes and 42 seconds when he's still being told to hang on there Admiral hang on there Admiral and we come back at 27 uh, minutes and 10 seconds and we've ended that oh my god why do they do it um but we're finally in the mariposa clinic so we've moved on from the gala and for some reason the defibrillator blows up now i know he's an android yep but i thought he was a humanoid android like i mean he doesn't have his heart like his mechanical heart because he's got a brand new flesh and blood one or is it flesh and blood how does that work why did the defibrillator if i can say it properly uh backfire it doesn't make any sense to me because he is for all intents and purposes genetic he is flesh he is not mechanical in any shape or form uh any thoughts i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it it, was that i i think it was just again a plot device really I thought, yeah. you know, maybe if his com badge was on there and they forgot to take it off and that sent the feedback, I would have bought that. But they didn't. They just ripped it all apart. And, uh, yeah, and it blew up. Um, we go to the Sung Mansion and then Adam sort of slumps down in the chair and he sort of gives away that there's something about Corey that isn't perhaps natural, that she is a work, a life's work, as it were. And it sort of sows the first seed of doubt of her in him. Yep. Um, any thoughts on this, the breakdown of Sung? Um, I guess I, I suppose it, it links into the earlier scene, you know, because he's failed in his mission, and so he's thinking, you know, I can't save Corey. It would be awful, and and maybe that in that moment you would be, what's the word, loose tongued. I suppose maybe you would sort of not be thinking about what you're saying properly, because mm-hmm. I would imagine that, you know, he he's always guarded the way he's spoken you know he's always Mm. been daughter you know so he's never sort of said life's i I can't remember what he says here exactly but you know life's work and stuff like that and it would as you say that would be like that's a strange thing to say yeah and of course we missed i think a little bit earlier about you know when she gets out of the swimming pool Mm. and says could my mum swim what was my mum like as a swimmer yes yeah like a duck you know mm-hmm. like a mermaid and so yeah so maybe this is just where he's he feels like he's let her down he feels shattered by it really mm-hmm. and he just loses control slightly of of the of what he you know what he's saying because it's played as though he's been drinking yeah and obviously the drink driving could play into that yep. why he chose to use a car to sort of solve the problem um so you could yeah be forgiven that he's gone and sort of dropped it and and dropped the facade because now it's all over he's almost killed yep. someone as far as he's concerned picard is laying there dead um yeah so that's true yeah um you know whether he would feel that way given that future episodes to come we're seeing how manipulative he could be and how many iterations of Corey there have been beforehand but there we go uh, back at the Mariposa Clinic, um, Gerati uh, can sing. Raffi says, "Like they're they're breaking the tension in that you know Picard is still laying there unconscious. They don't know what to do, but like she can sing. Like yeah. that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Um, just uh, they're sort of having their conversations, but they're also having their comedy moments. So I just thought it was very weird. Um, 
Rios tries to blame the kid, Ricardo, for playing around with the defibrillator as, as why it blew up. Uh, and Teresa says, like, I can't believe you just tried to yeah. to blame him uh, and play on it. Again, the warp factor flirting is still back in. Um, <laughs> back at the mansion, Corey now starts doing digging. We start hearing about the Shenzhen convention that actually Sun maybe has broken it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, she's one of many. She's been black orphaned. There's so many different versions of her. I never watched Black Orphan, but I know that that's a euphemism for you know uh, cloning someone endlessly. Um, but there was Persephone, Demona, Artemis, so many different uh, names that are being used for like gods and uh, and women and goddesses. Um, how many gods do you think he went through? Yeah, like, is he? Did he have to go through the dictionary of like all yeah. the different gods and goddesses yeah. of all the different uh, religions around the world? You know, was he only going to do it as soon as he had you know the last name left? Corey wasn't the, the last one because it didn't work. It's because he ran out of names. He <laughs> used them all. How many did he go through? Um, <coughs> but she's talking out loud as well in the scene. Mm. Who's she talking to? Mm. I really don't like this scene. Yeah, go for I it. I really don't because it's that thing of like i don't know it's it, again it's a bit like do you remember when when the internet first started getting going yep and there was that film the net yeah and it's just sort of like it's like that it's that really bad computer use scene <laughs> you know I was clicking on all these these things and they're popping up on windows and stuff and it's just like ah oh. and, and as you say she's talking out loud you know like, i don't remember this you know <laughs> I just yeah I didn't like this scene at all I thought it was very it was just a very cliche thing for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah like if they'd had I don't know a pet or you know you, you're kind of talking to it then there's something in the room yeah. she's talking to but she is having almost a full conversation with someone that isn't there yeah. And yeah, like you, uh, I was thinking, oh, she's going to be click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. Oh, man, I've got to go onto the interwebs with my cybers. And I need to just throw out any 90s words when I'm hacking into the internet. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I actually felt like that this uh, last week, uh, just gone, because um, we're going on holiday uh, to Disney World uh, with uh, as my wife's obsession with cool. Disney, as well documented on this podcast. Um, but in order to get into some of the restaurants, you have to book 60 days in advance. And some of them go like that. And so uh, in order to book for a party of 12, because there's a huge group of us, all the big family all going at one time, they don't do that. So you've got to book a, a table of five and a table of seven, and hopefully you can link the two accounts. So I had this PC here, and off to the side of me, I had um, a little iPad, and I was like, click and click and click and click. But I was acting like I was in one of those 90s hacker stupid things. But I was not talking to myself. I can definitely tell you <laughs> I was not hacking the interwebs with my cybers. Um, you know, I was not using words that kind of sounded like I was hacking. Ah, uh, yeah. It's just, it infuriates me when people do that in, in movies yeah. because that's not what you would do. No. Have a pad or have a little type notes and just say like, found this file wonder what it is underlying so it, it communicates that she's keeping a notes because she needs to do some detective work i would respect that loads more than someone just saying oh my god what is this it's this is a black project oh <laughs> stop saying it out loud there's probably one of those alexas in the room and she's listening to the whole thing you stupid oh never mind um anyway going to mariposa uh we get a brain scan and um 
we find out Picard's brain is firing at a rate of knots. So why isn't he awake? There's something wrong. And Talon suggests that maybe he's having flashes of memories. Uh, we could go in. Oh, no. This is one of my other least favorite tropes. If it's heists are now my most favorite, uh, most uh, favorite hated trope, <laughs> it's going into people's bloody minds as the next one. Um, so we're going to get mind meld episode. I really hope it doesn't take too much of the episode up. Um, <laughs> she's talking about Raffi defenses. She's going to jury rig some sort of uh, mind meld tech. Uh, we don't see it at this point, but that's what they're going to do. They're going to go into the, her mind, uh, and she um, sort of stops that scene at thirty-seven minutes and fifty-five seconds. Any thoughts on this? That uh, are you like me? Do you not like it? Do you like this one? It's up to you. No, I'm a, I'm like you actually. I think we <laughs> did we say talk about this with the um, the compartments of the mind. Yeah, yeah. It's the same sort of thing. You know, you're walking around someone's mind. It's yeah. Uh, no, it's not. It's not my favourite. No, it still doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> no. Like, if they could figure out a way of hooking it up to a holodeck, I know they don't yeah. have one, although they do have one, really, I suppose, on La Serena. Yeah. You know, transport the body over, put him on the bio bed, hook him up to the holodeck. I could believe that maybe the holodeck would interpret it as rooms. But whenever they do this, it does, it does bother me. I don't know why, but dreams in a TV show, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Yeah. But there we go. Um, <laughs> At this point, we then uh, go and see Gerati with her shoes off, walking in slow-mo into LA as Raffi and Seven say in like a narration over the top, what could possibly get any worse? And the episode finishes. Then we move over to season three, episode three of this podcast and season three, episode seven of Picard. And we go to the end of that episode at 35 minutes and five seconds where we find that Gerati has gone into this bar called Deacon's and there's some more live music second lot of live music in one episode yes. uh however this uh this lady looks very familiar it's almost like uh she's someone who's perhaps married to patrick stewart and maybe oh, really? she's yeah so this uh, this is actually his wife she she was really oh, singing yeah, and no idea apparently that's her house band she does this all the time she actually performs live music so she was in the scene so it's very nice oh, cool. um uh, keep it in the family why not uh you've probably got that protective bubble for covid anyway why not use the singing you've already got um there you go there's your stunt casting as well uh gerati uh then needs to bang on the glass presumably to get some more endorphins yep. to complete the assimilation process she does it explodes the barman has a go at her and the eyes go black and then we end at 35 minutes and 58 seconds and we're done <laughs> we can come back to this episode next week um any thoughts on gerati's final assimilation and the bar bit um I think it was fine. I mean, I suppose they had to find somewhere to do it. A bar, you know, why not sort of thing. Yeah. I think it could have been just about anything, really. She could have just sort of walked into a, I don't know, a liquor store or, or just sort of whatever. So it just had to be somewhere. Yeah. She could have, you know, tried to get mugged, uh, just like Raffi did when she first beamed in. You know, she's on the streets of LA, and uh, according to all the historical reports of 2024, there's a lot of muggings going on. So, yep, could be easily yep. done. Um, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, so uh, that's the end of the episode. So we go into continuity and consequences. Uh, wow. I see the criteria. 
Right. Okay. There's a lot we just talked about, but anything from everything we've just discussed for the last hour um, that you think, you know, that's going to be earth shattering consequences. Is it going to change the way Star Trek operates based on what's happened? No, because we're in the past. We're in an alternate timeline at the moment. So yeah. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. We've already established that this Europa mission's happening. That happened right back at the beginning when we first beamed in to 2024. Um, it, it, the consequences really are personal. Um, yeah, we we had Renee Picard having her mind, um, you know, uh, interrogated by John Luke and given a good reason why she should stick with it and why she shouldn't give up. Um, and it was all very plausible and it all made sense. The consequence that obviously Picard has been knocked out will be dealt with next week. Uh, so again, it's one of those episodes where we're moving the characters and just getting them into places to further the story on. Um, it doesn't necessarily in and of itself make this episode the most important thing you've ever seen um but it's important because it furthers the story again we keep coming up against this but it is the thing about a serialized story is that you wouldn't be able to pluck this out and carry on you do need these things to happen um whether it makes a good episode or not is another matter yeah so uh we go on to alterations expansions uh if you were to expand from these scenes is there anything you'd want to come back to did they need to do a little bit more legwork in some areas? Uh, or is there a character we met that actually you'd want to know a little bit more about? What happened to the security? What happened to the band at the end? Like, <laughs> yeah. Where did the lady in the red dress go? Um, unbelievable. And then they start making this song about the lady in the red dress and it becomes like legend and it's all part of this. And you know, we find out Krista Burr met her once a long time ago. And then we get... a <laughs> A Krista Burr reference, and uh, we get a cameo from Krista Burr because one of them's got a phone. Or or maybe it's a Back to the Future reference. It's like, uh, you know that sound you were looking for? Well, listen to this. And and someone's trying to... There's there's a music scout out there who's looking for the lady in the red dress, and he never finds her. Uh, And it's just always there, and it's just a a short trek. There you go. Well, (laughs) other than to say that when you say Krista Burr, (laughs) <laughs> Christopher is one of my favourite musicians I hate his music <laughs> but there's I, I love Bill Bailey yes yeah, a, a British comedian for those who in the, the other parts of the world and he describes Christopher as the mono-browed purveyor of ultimate filth <laughs> which I think is probably the greatest description of a band or a musician I've ever heard and I always think of that whenever I see him on the TV. It always reminds me of that line. <laughs> um, but that's that's off, off, off slightly off topic, I think. <laughs> oh my God, Bill Bailey in Star Trek. There would be oh, a cameo. Yes. Now, now you're talking. Now There's an alteration. Got... Yes, I'd have Bill Bailey as the barman, as a sort yes. of disgruntled barman. <laughs> He's, he's, he's looking at the band and he's like I should be up there I can yeah. play that that's yeah. really good oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Renee's knocking them back and he's like oh you know, <laughs> oh, you know I used to be in a band a year ago. <laughs> oh my god oh, that would be great I would love that's to my, see that that's my alteration there we go Bill, Bill Bailey. Bailey Bill Bailey in Star Trek we need it to happen uh <laughs> So recommend you know actually talking to oh, Bill Bailey and Star Trek, his son is called Dax. Really, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. purely because of well, I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's awesome. 
I, you know, I wanted to name our kids after Star Trek characters. I, I just sort of got in there, but you know, it's very t- difficult to do. So the fact that he was able to convince someone to call him Dax, that's, that's pretty impressive. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to call my kids after that. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, um, uh, on, recommend No, no, hang on. We're gonna, okay. we're gonna go off topic again. Or we'll... Go for it. So, if you had got your way, what would they be called? Oh, okay. So, if it uh, if it was a boy, what what did I go for? Oh my god, it's so long ago. It was. It wasn't going to be like your the first name of you know a captain or something. It was going to be really unusual, and I wanted to keep it something sort of um, strange. Oh god, what was it? It was like a one-off character. Really? Jeremy was one of them because of Jeremy oh, yeah. Astor from uh, The Bonding, which is a season three TNG episode. And one of the ones I, I love. I don't know why. I like that episode. Um, so I was going to go for like the kids that were also in TNG that I liked. Um, I thought it was a bit much to go after Lal if it had been a girl. Didn't want to deal with that. Um, but... Oh God, I can't for a minute life me remember what it was. It was over thirteen years ago now. Uh, that's wow. the age of my eldest son. Uh, but I got close with that one because it's, uh, his name is Joshua James, so James James T and yeah. and so forth. Um, oh God, and Nathan is Nathaniel Jacob because we always want we always want J names, but Jacob. So you got Jake, you got Jake Cisco. Yeah, keep that going. Um, I don't know what happened with uh, Zachary Zachary Joseph. Um, like Joseph Zachary Quinto. Oh, Zachary Quinto, of course. There you go. No, I can't think. What What would be yours? If you did have if a name I, uh, that you were going to pick, what ooh. name would you go for? God, that's a tough one, you know. I can see why you struggled. Yeah. I know one it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> I was growing fond of the name Malcolm. Well, maybe I know what it should be. It should be uh, Nick. Mm-hmm. Named after Nick Lacano. Oh, 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 nice. I was nice. listening today, this very morning, <laughs> I was listening to the, um, uh, what's it called? The um, Deltas, Delta Flyers. Delta Flyers. And they're reviewing the episode The Fight, mm-hmm. which is literally my most. <laughs> Hated Star Trek episode ever. I hate it more than the seventh. <laughs> I hate the fight. And for some reason, I can't remember why, but they mentioned like Nick Nakano being his character before he was uh-huh. Paris. So Nick would be <laughs> Nick. Very nice. Very nice. But that would that make him like the kid who's always going to get into trouble at school? Well, I hope like, so, in a way. Yeah, because he's always going to be doing the wrong thing. He's going to be trying to do whatever the starburst manoeuvre was that yeah. they were they were forbidden from doing as Red Squad. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. That's good. Well, but, maybe hey, the other one would be the guy from um, Two Days and Two Nights who meets oh. um, who meets Hoshi. Yes. And his name is unpronounceable in, his, in English. So that would be... Uh, just imagine the teacher calling register at school it's like yeah. John James unpronounceable yeah here miss <laughs> oh, there we go uh, <laughs> right that's another Nexus Nights episode I think it certainly is what it? kids names would you have called your kids um, right we'll do recommendations as well yes. 
again, we can't really pick out an episode because it wasn't, you know, it's part of serialization and we've yeah. said this before. Yeah. But based on maybe scenes, are there scenes you could pluck out and say, that's the best of Star Trek? I don't know if you'd say it's the best of Star Trek. I am a big fan of the heist. I have to say, I like a heist movie. <laughs> um, so maybe I would recommend it actually as a sort of fun sequence. Nice. Yeah. So I think I, I, I don't know about a new listener, a new listener, a new watcher, mm-hmm. but certainly if you were, you know, I would say if you're watching this season, this is a good, good bit. Nice. An enjoyable bit. Yeah. I used to love heists. I, I, you know, I used to love them, but having to watch them in the right order <laughs> yeah. so that all the planning happens at the same time. And yeah, no, 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 I don't like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so in this context, I do not like heists. Normally, I'll probably let them go. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, it's individually, those scenes probably aren't, you know, of course you have to go to Star Trek for that because you could probably get scenes like that in a regular other TV show as well. And it'd be pretty much the same. Um, I really did like the scene with Picard, uh, with Jean-Luc and Rene Picard having their conversation. Um, you know, it, it it was very Picard-like. The way he was yes. talking, the way he was convincing her felt like a Picard way of doing things. Um, he was able to think his way out of the situation. Um, you know, he didn't punch his way out with the guards and, and do all that. That would have been a very Kirk thing to do or a Cisco way of working. Um, it, it was a far more cerebral way of solving the problem. Um, uh, but yeah, with, to a non-Star Trek fan, to a new watcher, new listener, uh, new watcher and listeners, there we go. There's uh, Elorians and, and supervisors. Yes. Um, again, it is the heist, I suppose. You could say it's a good heist episode, but then there are better heist episodes. you got Bada Bing, Bada Bang coming yeah. up in DS9 in the many years to come for us. Um, so I'd probably say no, because there are better versions of what they are doing. So that's probably what I'll go for. Um yeah, and that's it. We're done. That was yeah. a lot of scenes, and that was that three was. episodes. Yes. Uh, don't want that to happen ever again. <laughs> <laughs> no more heists, please. Um, yeah, so uh, last criteria is selling podcasts. So uh, yes. where can people find you? Where can they see your podcasts? On Twitter, at academictrek 47 I'm currently talking to a couple of people at the moment, actually. So we are we are edging ever closer. Ooh, very nice. Um one is I think I spoke I think I mentioned it last week about about um, Far Beyond the Stars yes and another guy who's written there's a new um, the Routledge Guide to Star Trek I can't remember quite what it's called oh but it's, it's a series of essays and he he, he um, contributed the, the animated series essay oh so we're going to talk about the animated series I, I just Very couldn't nice. resist you know, because it gets so little, so little love and so little sort of mention. It does, yeah. So that's that's in the pipeline. Um, but it it has been seen a resurgency, obviously, with lower decks. Yeah. The amount yeah. of references they make between the two, yeah, so fantastic. And obviously, far beyond the SARS has recently been reinvigorated with uh, Benny Russell being mentioned in the latest oh, yes, Strange New World. Yes, yes. So will that be affecting how he's going to write his essay? Or no, it's written. The it's already written. written. Oh, yeah. okay. So is he going to have to put out like a, a little addendum? Like, um, I, well, I might actually drop it in as a question. Ah, because yeah, the great thing about that that um, that episode is that obviously we see a king and we see a queen, 
who are both of uh, African-American... Well, it's interesting because his essay is about Afrofuturism. Yeah. And it did occur to me when I was reading it that actually that this would be something I, I talked to about that episode and whether it fits in with the, the mm. ideas and stuff, yeah. Because mm, obviously you don't get to see that in medieval fantasy. You certainly yeah. don't see it uh, that often. Um, yeah. We we should, but you don't. Um, yeah. And uh, it was it was interesting to see that in that context that Benny Russell is writing not only yeah. future and sci-fi, but he's writing fantasy with both of those areas in mind. Um, so yeah, I really like that. I, don't know, I can't yeah. wait for that episode now because there's yeah. there's extra reason to love it as well. Um, right so uh, as always uh, check out nexus nights that's our sister podcast where we uh, hopefully will record any kind of topic that comes to mind <laughs> and we've already just pitched two to you as yes, well so indeed. come over for the the musical episode and the episode of what we would name our kids if we got away with it with our wives and partners um <laughs> so uh, all that remains is for me to set up next episode so come back for season three uh, season two episode three of the podcast and season three episode seven of Picard as we go back to the beginning of the episode that we just did the end of uh, and we're back into La Serena as Talon goes in his mind oh dear <laughs> that's what the fight is that isn't it like it's all yes. memories and in his mind and all it's that all kind his of mind and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, not a coochie right. moya but it is inside his mind <laughs> yes, isn't it so it is. oh god maybe that is a thing and um, we should just rank all the really terrible in the mind episodes as well um <laughs> Right, so join us at 11 minutes and 58 seconds. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. We certainly will. If you'd like to contact the show, there's now a Twitter account. Search Temporal Trek Podcast at rider underscore coattail, or contact me directly at hitch underscore Daniel. I'm also on Instagram, Daniel underscore hitch underscore writer. There's also a website, with all of the timestamps you need to follow along. Go to ridingcoattails.simplesite.com and click the Temporal Trek page link. The show is always going to be free, there's no Patreon at all. But if you wish to financially contribute to the show, feel free to find my books by searching me, Daniel Hitch, on Amazon. And we'll catch you in the next time stream. Oh, you're getting this, mate. You're becoming a, a proper podcaster, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I like to pretend I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a certificate and everything. <laughs>